right, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. I know it's been a long time coming, but we are officially back on the Welcome to the J podcast. I am your host, Jahans Maniga, aka 12, if you know me that way. Before we even get going, for the guys watching the for you guys watching the video podcast, I'm wearing a very special to the J sweater. Uh, this is from one of the homegirls, Cindy Wilson. She's got her own clothing line coming out. Uh, the website is still in the works, but if you guys want to pre-order a sweater just like I'm wearing right now, a nice little tie-dye sweater uh, commemorating the years that the J was the best bar in Omaha, uh, you can go ahead and uh, order or pre-order by emailing her at Sin City Clothing. That's C-I-N-C-I-T-Y-C-L-O-T-H-I-N-G at gmail.com uh, to pre-order your sweaters. You can also DM her. It's the same uh, brand, Sin City Clothing, on Instagram. You guys can look that up, and you can pre-order by DMing that. Uh, now, let's get on to the show. And this is a guest that I've been waiting to have on for so long. He's our 18th guest on the Welcome to the J podcast. He's the first player in Korean history to be named to the MVC All-Defensive Team in three straight seasons. He was also the Defensive Player of the Year in the Missouri Valley Conference in 2012. He represented Venezuela in the 2016 Olympics as their starting center. He finished his collegiate career with 1,364 points, 992 rebounds, 267 blocks, and 72 steals. He played for the Toronto Raptors in the Las Vegas Summer League. He just completed his eighth year of pro ball, having played in Belgium, Germany, Venezuela, and most recently Japan. He's a bigger man. He's double zero, and he wears pink shoes, but I bet you won't say none of him about it. Gregory Echenique came in the building. What up, bro? Thank you, man. That's good, actually. I'm impressed. I didn't even know those numbers. That's, That's pretty good. That's uh, that's, that's Rob. Right tells Rob, me. Rob was yeah, that's the, Rob Anderson. Numbers guy. Yeah, that's uh, that's next level. Yeah, no, thank you, man. I'm, I'm glad so- to be back uh, or to be here. Actually, uh, talking mm-hmm. to you, I know you know it's been it's been a minute, and you know looking forward to you know catching up with you and and be a part of this that you're doing, man. This is uh pretty good, uh pretty cool that you're doing this project and and yeah. you're getting uh, former players here, and, and I'm sure the people are loving it. <laughs> Bro, the first thing that everybody tells me after being on the show is that I give them the like best introduction they ever had. I kind of take pride in that, so I'm happy that you liked it too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's, I mean, you mentioned some stuff there. I'm like the whole points and rebounds and stuff. I didn't even know that. Uh-huh. Like right there, that's pretty good. Well, first of all, congratulations. You're a father now. I'm so happy for you and your wife. How crazy is it for you to be in this new role in your life? Uh, man, well, thank you. By the way, uh, it's it was it's great. It's, it was difficult in the beginning because uh, I don't know if you knew, but um, she had to come back. She gave birth in the states while I was playing in Japan. So, like, I was with her for most, like, let's say, for the most of, more than half of the pregnancy. But then I couldn't be here because of COVID. Like initially, we mm-hmm. thought that I was going to be able to fly back to Omaha and be here for the birth but since japan has a two-week uh quarantine rule and you know and it wasn't like a schedule like c-section or anything it was like a natural birth we weren't sure what day so imagine if i i couldn't ask for the team like i would have to ask them for like a full month which you know how it is like that's not gonna work like if i come back here then i gotta quarantine two weeks back i get out of shape you know so it's like it just 
but you know, once I got back and I got to meet my son and everything, you know, right now it's, it's, it's awesome, man. I mean, it's a lot of, definitely a lot of crying and a lot of stuff to the baby too, but, uh, yeah. uh but you know, we get in there, we get in there trying to get on a good schedule and, and, and it's weird, man. It's like, you don't really know how it feels until you actually, you know, until you're there, until you experience it. And, and it's been a blessing. I'm going through some quarantine protocol stuff right now, being back in Canada. I'm technically not allowed to leave my basement, essentially, until I guess next Tuesday. So uh, I, I totally understand what you are talking about when it comes to, you know, different countries with this craziness happening around the world, different countries taking their precautions. Has that been probably the toughest thing for you to deal with since you've been playing overseas? I would imagine the birth of your son, the inability to be there, definitely is uh, up there on the list of stuff that, you know, uh, is troublesome when this is the job that, you know, you you perform at. Yeah, this is is difficult. I mean, I'm glad it it actually happened on a game day. We had a game that day, and I thought Mm -hmm. I was nervous that I was even going to miss it because the plan was that... uh, I was going to be on video call. So at least I was going to be able to see it. And we weren't yeah. sure. I'm like, man, I'm going to miss it. We had shoot around. I got to shoot around. And I'm like, ah. And then I come back. And right as I came back, I was actually able to see the whole thing, at least on video. But um, so that made it a little better. And we also won that day. So it made it like even well, like more special. Like, because we hadn't, it was a rough season, by the way. So we were like looking for wins, wins. And then that day was like perfect. Like yeah. my son's birth, and then we won. And so I just saw, and I was able to at least see it. And, um, but, uh, but it is more credit to her. I mean, she was, she understood, to, uh, my wife, she understood what was happening and that I had to be in Japan working. And, uh, and, you know, that, that definitely helped. Yeah. Basketball has brought you literally all over the place. But the first time that it brought you away from home was when you were a teenager. You go from Venezuela to St. Benedict's, you know. Tell me that right. feeling of, like, literally being 14, 15 years old, being told, like, hey, this is the time where you have to pack up your things. You have to go away uh, from home if you want these dreams of yours, you know, to come true. Uh, man, yeah, uh, I was yeah, I was 14 at the time, and um, I mean, I don't know, I guess being so young, sometimes you don't even realize what's about to happen, you know, so I think that kind of helped, you know, they say yeah. ignorance is bliss, so I, I think, yeah, yeah. I think I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, especially St. Benedict's being, I had no idea how competitive uh, high school basketball could be in states, and especially that program, so you know, um, and Coach Hurley, who's now coaching uh, UConn, you know, he's uh, mm-hmm. obviously one of the best coaches I ever had, but uh, he's tough. He's a tough guy. And, and for me, coming in, uh, it was definitely a shock at first. I mean, I knew, and he knew that I could play. He knew that I had some talent, but I definitely needed uh, to polish some things that it just, unfortunately, we just don't get, at least in Venezuela, we don't, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have that setup where you study and have competitive basketball right after and like it's all structure it's, it's, we didn't have nothing like that so I couldn't I kind of went into like the dark and, and having to figure out a new language too and, and it was a lot definitely a lot but it helps you grow fast and, and people uh people that were very helpful and and you know I was kind of able to you know how it is man being a foreign dude you ain't got a choice either 
you're do it or you don't. I mean, you're you go home, and I didn't want to go back home. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just like I have much of a choice, but I'm glad that I did that, and and it definitely shaped me into I think who I am today, and and you know, and everything that we went through in college. You had a wonderful host family that kind of guided you through that whole time where obviously you're a young teenager and then coming into your own as a man. And uh, you guys are still obviously really close to this day. Talk about like how being in that family structure, being so far away from home, helping your development, not only obviously on the court, but also all of it as far as just like social life is concerned. Oh, yeah, man, they definitely, um, the Smiths, yeah, the, the Eileen, you know, and, and mm-hmm. Coach Smith, Scott Smith, Kieran, Kel, uh, Kaylee, Morgan. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're definitely, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say like they, I wouldn't use the word save me just because I hated high school, man. Like I love what that high school did yeah. for me and everything, but it was so many rules and like, and it was just a lot, man. And I'm like, man, I'm ready. Because, you know, when you're from another country, you see all these movies and it's, oh, the high school parties and like the, the American lifestyle and all this and that, but I was hitting none of it because I was like in there, you know, <laughs> study basketball, study basketball, study basketball, study basketball, so none, none of it. Zero. So yeah. like, I like, I felt like I was uh, lied to. And, and, you know, once they took me in, uh, I believe through my, I think it was my sophomore year, or finishing my freshman year, I was able to at least see a different side. I was able to go to the mall. I was able to meet people my age. I was able to, just see outside a little more and, and, and more of like a family setting and, and it, it made it all so much better. I mean, I couldn't even, I mean, yeah, like, as you know, to this day, we're still in touch and we will ever be in touch. Uh, but I, I could never probably repay them what that meant for me and, and what it did for me. I, just, I can't even put it in words. Like it was, it was everything at that time. You go from, St. Benedict's to Rutgers. I'm sure you had plenty of uh, options coming out of high school as far as school is concerned. What made you pick Rutgers at first? What was it about that program that just obviously it was a little bit closer? You were just down there at, at St. Yeah. Benedict's, but uh, what was it about the program that made you, you know, want to be a part of it from the beginning? Yeah, I mean, that, that recruiting process is uh, pretty wild. Uh, I think it definitely. Um, being in the program that I was and having so many good players around me, we always had coaches coming in and out of practices. So like definitely um, helped me get some more exposure and, 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 you know, and I was playing well too, but I know that that was also a factor. So I did pretty much on the East coast. Um, I feel like I almost not to sound cocky, I probably could have gone about anywhere and, and, <laughs> Uh, no, really, it was it was insane. I never literally like thought that like, we used to get buckets and buckets of letters and crazy. It was crazy, but um, the thing with Rutgers was that they were the first school that offered me, and they were the first school that believed in me, and they were kind of down the road, like you said. So we would just kind of visit there a lot. And at the time, you know, they they had like the football games going on. They were doing well, so like they used to. We spent a lot of time there just because it was, it was just close, and uh, and it just felt familiar. And then at that year, they were trying to bring in a, a group of guys. Uh, they put a decent, like a really good recruiting class. And you know, I just thought that that meant something. I thought that maybe we could go in there. Just such a because it's a state school; it's huge, so it's so much different than high school. So I think that also kind of like 
was attractive to me that it was just so big and like I'm like oh, okay maybe this is like the actual um like college lifestyle that I was seeing in movies or whatever you know what I mean so yeah uh and and yeah and, and I said maybe we can go in there and do something that feels mine like if I go to a bigger program and just you're not that special I mean that was my thought process then and um so yeah so that's kind of why I went with it and and I still have some pretty good friendships there and and I mean, it was, uh, it was, uh, that year college basketball was crazy too, man. But, uh, but I played well. I mean, I played and then when we tried, yeah, you know, we got a shot. That's really yeah. what I was trying to say. I was looking at the numbers before, uh, as I'm preparing for the podcast, your freshman and sophomore year numbers before you got hurt were actually, they were really, really good. And I, it kind of right. got me wondering if it wasn't for the eye injury, would you have ever thought about leaving Rutgers? You know what? That's a really, uh, I don't even think nobody's ever asked me that. Actually, I'm sure no one ever asked me that before. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe not, actually, because. I mean, it worked to my yeah. benefit. You were my teammate for a couple of championship teams, so I'm not yeah, mad about it. No, I, I'm not either. I mean, that's, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it soon, but uh, yeah. so, I mean, it all played out really well besides, obviously, all the surgeries I had to go through and all that, but um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have because it's like usually people transfer because oh they're not play- like getting enough playing time or this and that. I was getting all the playing time and like I said, like that freshman year we didn't win a lot just because man, like we had the number two like and three team in the country was in the Big East. That's like that that year the Big East was just. Uh, killer so man yeah so it's uh, so it was like tough but but that's fine I mean that's basketball that's competition so I think the eye situation is just like just how everything went down it was like an opportunity for like okay like I think it's the right move to do and and, and I'm glad um, that it went that way yeah it's it just kind of wild to think about all actually thinking about that too like g transferred it to crane but man you had the body you had the size you had the athleticism to definitely you know compete in that old big east isn't it kind of wild that when you look at Creighton now they're part of the new big east and you know you left the school went to the yeah. Missouri valley and now that is back in the conference that you started at i know i don't know it's like basketball works like it works in mysterious ways and and you know stuff like that happens just like just how it is crazy where you like when you're playing overseas and you always see somebody that you know or somebody that you know know somebody that you know and it's like right it's just basketball is just something else but but i'm happy for them though i think and, and you were a part of that team too that, that first year i believe that uh yeah. you guys transition and uh and i mean it's uh, it's a powerhouse too man i mean now people know like they know who we are yeah a hundred percent so you got recruited by Altman when you decided to transfer, but kind of like me, you got recruited by Altman and, but had to play for Coach McDermott. Uh, because you had to sit out for that half year uh, due to your injury and stuff like that um, and your eligibility, you were part of a legendary scout, te- scout team with uh, Coach Croft, with Ethan Rogge, with Greg Gibbs, uh, Matthew Dover, Torres Stormberg, Ross Farini. All those guys, man. Talk to me about like uh, that half year where you know you were watching us play all of our games. You knew that you were gonna get in in this 
December, but for just from basically from September to December, you just had to work on yourself, work on, you know, getting back into mm -hmm. game shape and all that stuff. Talk to me about the concentration that it took for you to, you know, stay focused and keep your eyes on the prize, even though at that time you weren't playing. Yeah, man, it's uh, it was also, once again, another difficult thing that happened uh, during my career. I mean, I, I basically, I was close. I could have. I could have been blind. I mean, it wasn't that like that, that it was close to happening. So, uh, so then my whole recovery process, it was, uh, you know, we had to be real careful and, and that's where like, you know, everybody at Creighton, like, uh, they, they took such, such uh, good care of me and, and I had to basically all my rehab process was, uh, it had to be like really well done because I couldn't do a lot of impact stuff because of my eye, I was still healing and and you know i was i was i gained way easily uh still do i did back then i still do and and so i had to like really watch what i ate i had to do all these things and like and, and it comes back to being a foreign like you know this is it like uh you know my family i left my family i did all this i'm like i gotta make it worth it i mean i wasn't you know i could have just feel sorry for myself and not do anything and whatever but like i wanted to be back on the court i wanted to you know the school gave me a second chance, you know, they took me when I was in there, so they trust me, so I got to trust them back and do what they asked me to do to, like, be, uh, you know, be able to play, and, and, you know, little by little, I was getting there, and like you said, man, that, that scout team, I feel like that scout team has always been legendary, man, they used to, we kicked their ass when we were in there, and they kicked our butts, <laughs> but we weren't even there, so I don't think they needed, they definitely did not needed me, because, yeah. man, like, <laughs> That was, and I saw I saw Matt the other day too, and that scout team was scary, man. They used to, man, they scary. Yo, people don't understand <laughs> the struggle. The, every Yo. day was a struggle in practice. Trying to guard Roth oh, off down screens. Taylor Stumber will hit you with a little one-two step. Yo, those guys are legendary. They don't know how how well they prepared us man. for those games because honestly, so like lovely. I don't know how you felt, but for the majority of the games, when I came in, I was like, I know everything that's about to happen because even mm -hmm. sometimes the scout team ran the plays better than you know what we saw on game day so you know big shout out to those guys you guys kept me prepared absolutely. for those four years a hundred percent you talked like, about you know you gaining now go ahead go ahead oh no i was gonna say that that scouting and the, what they did is is a lot better than even in professional like they, they prepared like they really watched their film they really did their stuff and like so, yeah, like you said, like, big shout out to those guys. Like, that scout team is definitely legendary. Always was. Um, you mentioned earlier about your weight gain, you know, because you were injured and you couldn't really do the, the training that you wanted to. And bro, I'm still right. pissed off at you because on my visit, when I weighed only about, like, 160 pounds, <laughs> you hit me with a speed <laughs> that changed my life, bro. I promise you. <laughs> at that Man, time, you were just I... coming off that injury. You weren't training too much, but you did play pickup with us when I was on my visit. And I remember being like, all right, this is Division One basketball because my ears are ringing. This big dude came out of nowhere and just hit me with a screen. And I don't even know how to react. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, uh, I think, well, I think I'm, I know that then I was, I was close to 300, man. I never hit 300, but I was like, I was like, right, one step right there and uh and yeah because yeah, like i said i couldn't do much but uh but thankfully like i said with, i was able to get back down but but yeah i, I remember your visit too and 
And it was fun too, man. I, I don't know, like basketball, I guess, then also felt a little different. You know, we were playing pickups and we had recruits and we were doing stuff at the class. Like it was just a different feel to it, uh, I would say, or at least for me. Uh, but, but yeah, man, uh, it was definitely good times. You, because of that injury, you had to wear an accessory, the goggles, that really kind of defined, you know, your style on the court. And then later on, we have the first, you know, pink out game that Crane still continues to this day. And you have a really good game, that first pink out game. You decide to wear the pink shoes for the entirety of your career at Crane. Talk to me about how the, that style on the court helped, uh, you know, helped you off the court socially. I know people would come up to you and talk to you about your shoes, your yeah. goggles. You would look up in the stands. You see kids wearing goggles. You see kids wearing pink shoes. How how did it make you feel to see that the crowd and the fans really, you know, accepted you and, and really rocked with you because they were rocking your style basically in the stands mm -hmm. as you were playing? Yeah, man, it was definitely, it's it's it was interesting because I know that, especially with the goggles, I, you know, you always kind of think, the people that wear them, they kind of look funny, you know what I mean? Like, you think, oh, you're going to make fun of them, but then I ended up wearing them, and I'm like, man, now I have, like, a different type of respect for whoever wears goggles, because that is not easy, man. Like, if you don't right. get the right ones, they, they, they fog up, and, like, it's a whole thing, man. It's a whole, like, adjustment that you have to do, and, and it's just it's more than just putting the goggles on, and that, like, it, it takes some time, so definitely respect to a lot of people that, or everybody that wears them. Um, but yes, so a lot of people don't know this, but there was actually, after I decided to keep wearing my, the, the pink shoes for like every game, there was one game that I actually forgot them, that I thought I left them in the, in the locker room. And, um, but I did, I, I have, so I had to wear actually regular shoes. And I remember people started tweeting at me. Like, hey, man, like, what happened with the... Like, a lot of people started tweeting at me about it. And then that's kind of <laughs> when I realized, like, yeah, somebody was like, hey, man, like, my wife noticed you didn't wear the pink shoes. What happened? And, like, my kid, uh, and then... Yeah. Uh, that's kind of when I realized, I'm like, oh, wow, people, like, some people are actually, like, paying attention to this. Because I remember, right. like, nobody, like, <laughs> none, of, none of you guys, like, none of the teammates were like, hey, man, what happened to... Like, no one, but, like, people on the outside, like, someone noticed and 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 i'm like oh wow this is actually catching some uh and then there were like little like articles and people like trying to like rate the style of players on, during the whole college basketball and then you know i'll be in there with like they say i look like a creative player because i had like the pink shoes and the goggles and then like i think one year like i had like a sleeve the, the sleeves or the yeah. <laughs> socks or something so they said that i yeah that i look like a created uh 2K players. <laughs> yeah, and then it was some funny comments, man. Like I remember we used to go in the in the Missouri Valley, and obviously it was a lot of love, like you said, a lot of like our people loved it, and 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 I had people also mad at me. It's like, man, now I gotta look for, to buy the pink shoes for my kids. I can't find any, and like stuff like that. So it's uh, it's kind of nice to see that I I made it into a thing at least while I was there. But mm -hmm. I remember when we used to go to other places, the student sections used to let me have it, but some of them were creative and, and, and I didn't take offense to it, but they yeah. used to say, like, say that I look like, you know, Kimball Slice, that like I was playing, I was playing uh, basketball in, in 3D with 3D glasses on and stuff like that. So it was, some of them were pretty good. <laughs> 
That's and he was better to be ruthless, man. It's crazy. We were, we were winning. We were winning, so it actually made it good because I was playing yeah. hell. So that kind of that's not good if like you are trying all these different things out and then you're not winning. Then that makes you an easy target. But when you're winning and you're playing well, there's not much they can say to you. I mean, they can say something, but you're basically shutting them off. I just remember thinking that following summer after, I guess, your sophomore year, my freshman year, uh, watching all the kids at camp with pink shoes and goggles on. And that's when I was like, yo, G's a fan favorite out here. Like, G could do no wrong. And I think part of that summer you spent with the Venezuela national team, too. So it's like you weren't really around. But, you know, the rest of us who was working camps, who was around campus, you know, who, who saw those kids out. Uh, just in Omaha uh, in everyday situations, we really noticed like, yo, this this trend that you started is really taking off. Also, when Daryl was on the podcast, we talked about, I don't know if you remember, me, you, and him. It's funny that you mentioned a creative player on 2K. Me, you, and him <laughs> used to create our own players on 2K yep. and go on the yep. same team. <laughs> Yeah, trying yeah. to win the NBA championship. I know, you man. That's, that, that's all those sure. accessories that you were wearing, you put them on your creative player. So, like, that's why I'm laughing so hard right now. Yeah. I, mean, I definitely was there. I, I didn't get my ideas from that when I decided to use them myself. But, yes, they, they were definitely yeah. in the game. So, I, like what I'm saying, some insults or some whatever, like, when they are trying to, like, get at me, they were creative. Like, they were good. Like... But yeah, I uh, but I remember that too, man. That that was fun times. So creating yourself and stuff—that's definitely fun. Fun times. We had two great seasons. Uh, it was your junior and senior year. Uh, we won the Missouri Valley tournament uh, twice. We won the Missouri Valley regular season championship once. We made it to two NCAA tournaments. We beat uh, Alabama, uh -huh. and then we beat. Uh, Cincinnati in the first round and then those two uh, years we lost to North Carolina once and we lost to Duke but you had two individual plays against both North Carolina and Duke that sticks in Crane fans memory the dunk over Tyler Zeller against UNC mm -hmm. and the dunk against Mason Plumley against Duke out of those two plays which one was your favorite <laughs> I think the 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 North Carolina one was definitely good. I mean, that was such a fun game because we were also in North, like we were there. It was basically there. there yeah, we were in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know, it just meant, because I know we were, obviously we were trying to come back in the game. We're trying to try, and I don't know, it was like a hype play. There was a little bit of frustration in it just because, uh, you know, obviously we wanted to win and like, you know how those uphill games could feel. And um and uh, I don't know. I th that felt good. Uh, that felt like, uh, like I said, it was kind of like a frustration play, but it worked out. And and I think he like, uh, maybe like it gives. I mean, obviously we didn't win, but it gave us a little boost. Like, okay, like we're here too. Like you know, we can. Um, so yeah, I would definitely, definitely the the no crowd. Like, I know the video. Like, uh, I, you can, I think you can still find it. It's out there somewhere. So, uh, but yeah, I definitely, I would definitely pick that. And the one that you had against Mason Plumley, bro, you literally moved him out of the way and just threw down a left-handed dunk, which for whatever reason, I found that that was kind of like your signature move. Instead of going to the right hook, 
that most people would expect people to uh, like mm-hmm. for you to go to because you're right-handed you would just kind of give him that fake mm-hmm. and just go up hard with your left and just jam it over them I saw you do it countless times obviously in practice sorry you will Artino, but it happened against you quite a bit oh, uh, but also <laughs> obviously in games Jackie Carmichael like all those guys got a taste uh, of that move so where did that you know come from because obviously like people would expect you to go with your right but you would just spin back and dunk it with your left where did that move come from where did you learn it from and uh i'm sure you still use it to this day right I actually i even after i left I, it always works like it usually like always works i have gotten a few people like that still <laughs> and and just because i guess i don't i'm not like i don't jump that high of like of like layup like some people jump off like a layup but I jump better off two and that kind of gets me close and then there's a little contact and people are expecting like you said exactly like you said people are expecting me to go back but I just keep going left because I'm a, I'm a right-handed but a lot of my hooks actually are with my left like I use my left a lot or at least now I don't honestly I don't even remember how I was in college but I know that now I use my left hooks a lot and I think uh, just I mean my dad, I work with my dad a lot too, like when I was off, like obviously off season and, um, and he knows that, like it's just common sense. If you're a right-handed player, I mean, people are going to push you to your left, you're a left-handed player, people are going to push you to your right and it's usually how it goes. So most people are already like wired uh, to defend that way. So it's, it, it catches you by surprise because not only I'm not, it's not going to be a hook, I'm actually going to go for it. And with my, like my elbow, I create a little surprise. And so it's like, once you're in there, it's kind of like, it's, yeah, it's, it, it puts you in. So I've been, when I defend people or they're good, like big, and I feel like I'm, like, you got to, like, oh, he might, he might, I think he might try the same thing on me. So, like, I have to, like, react quick because there's certain positions or situations that you get yourself into that if you don't react in a split second, it's too late. Like, you're going to be in a poster or you're going to be embarrassed. So it's like, um right yeah so that's that's kind of um i guess it just became a thing just trying to like take advantage of what people you know the way that people defend you and 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 it works so i just kept doing it i'm glad that you mentioned your dad because what most people don't know is that he also played on a venezuelan national team he's a big guy too i met him he's basically just as big as you maybe not as you know strong (laughs) as you anymore but uh what kind of you know advice uh has your father given you obviously throughout your career throughout your life as far as you know post move post skills getting better uh day in day out with those with those moves what kind of advice has your dad given you uh yeah well my dad mostly most of his advice is a lot of it is mental about mental like being mentally strong uh because he like you said he was a big man as well but he didn't play like me. He actually played, uh, he had a better like mid-range shot. He was more of like an athletic. He did play physical, but he wasn't like me that I'm like back to the basket and like like more, I don't know. I guess now you can say it's like old school because everybody's just shooting threes and stuff. But, yeah, shooting threes. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, but a lot of his advice is mostly mental, man. It's just like being able to approach him different, being able to trust yourself, being able to like, you know, visualize doing things like before the game starts, like visualizing, like, you know, scoring this, running, rebounding. Um, and like I said, until this day, we work. Uh, we worked out this morning. I mean, we still like, um, you know, still have a routine and and, and he kind of, mm-hmm. so what I do is like, I like to 
basically give him, I try to film, get the film for every, every season that I do, I get the film, he watches it, and then he knows what I'm doing in every game, so he knows kind of what my goals, go-tos are, and then we just try to work around that, but, but yeah, he has these full stories, man, he, he will talk for days, and he has, because he played for 17 years in Venezuela, so he's seen a lot, too, and, and so it's definitely been a, an advantage for me to be able to uh, learn uh, from him. You, like I said in the open, you just complete your eighth year of playing pro. It's kind of crazy how quickly the years are going by and how, how much, you know, they're, they're racking up there in years. But uh, I want to talk to you specifically about your time that you played in Venezuela. Uh, you're a Venezuelan national team player. You go back home. You left home at such a young, a young age and you had a chance for a couple of seasons to go back and play in your home country. What was that feeling for you like, you know, just to be back in, I guess, your environment and doing the thing that you love in front of the people that, that you've known for so long? Yeah, it, it definitely was nice, man. It was, um, you know, when I first started doing it, it, it gave me a chance, especially like I had a, a lot of my high school friends and people that I like, you know, I grew up with that they never really seen me play because I left, like you said, at such a young age and I did everything basically my career in the States or most of it. And all they could hear was, or read in the paper, or, but they could never really see footage. I mean, at the time, uh, social media wasn't as big. I mean, MySpace eventually started to like pop up, but like, um, wasn't the same, not, yeah, I mean, exactly. That's, that was like the big thing. It became the big thing around that time and but yeah. still, not everybody had, like, now everybody, most people have, like, a smartphone and most people can watch it. Like, then you have to go to, like, a cyber cafe and pay, like, for an hour or something and, like, get on your computer. And, you know, it's more difficult. So when I was able to go back, then people could see me grow as a player and supported me. And so definitely it was, uh, you know, we had some, some good experiences where I would win some stuff and bring some sort of joy to the country and, and 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 it was nice it was nice now like nowadays that now that i have a family and now that i now i'm playing it's just it's definitely being a little more difficult just because like for example being in japan is uh could, it could even be like 70 games a season like it's a lot like the regular season is 60 if you make it to playoffs you can come home with like 70 70 games or more and that's almost like an NBA season long. And, uh, and then, you know, national team usually takes your summer. So it's like, you're like, man, so it's, it's uh, and now with a kid, you know, I'm actually considering not, not doing it um, now. And I talk to them about it just because now it's a, it's a lot of stake. You know, then, you know, it's, you yeah. know, if you tell me I'll play all year round, whatever, I'll do it. And, and, you know, we had like the Olympics and all of that. It was great. But right now, now it's like another life that depends on me. And I know they have insurance for contracts and all that, but it's just, it becomes a little more complex. And, and now you really have to think and pick and How, how crazy was that experience of playing in the Olympics, though? Playing against some of the best players in the world, representing their country, that's pretty much as high as the stakes go. Uh, there's just so much on the line. You had a chance to experience that in 2016. I vividly remember watching your game against Team USA and being like, damn, yeah. he's matching up with DeAndre Jordan tough right now, you know, like do, doing really well and, and holding your own. 
how how great of an experience was that for you and, and how much did it teach you about not only the game of basketball but just how much further you feel that your career could go yeah i mean that uh that was that opening ceremony and everything i mean it was just uh surreal i mean it was so loud that it almost felt like there was just no noise like i don't know if that makes any sense but uh but yeah it was it was uh Definitely, you know, dream come true, and, and uh, you know, not a lot of people get to experience that, and some people just once in a lifetime. And, and like I said, for me, I mean, I may not if I decide not to do national team for a little while, like it may not ever happen again. So it's like, you know, it's mm -hmm. it something that definitely will stick with you. And, uh, and like you said, the best. Everybody goes there with their best team. Like nobody's like, you know. Uh, Playing the USA team, he was just, you know matching up with like Kyrie, like on the like not because I, was, I mean I wasn't guarding him the whole game, but it was like on a fast break, and I'm like, man, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna try to reach for the ball right now. I'm not end up on ESPN. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna. Right. I'm gonna actually, you know, hold my own and figure it out. Like I trust what I can do, and and I'm gonna stick to that, and uh, and I'm like, well. At that point, I'm like, I know I'm strong. I mean, strong is strong in any league in any country. So I'm like, at least I have that. So I'm gonna use that. That's because mm -hmm. I know because uh, the Demarcus Cousins in that team too. And I'm like, oh, I know he. Oh, yeah, he that's to, right. Yeah. yeah he, he likes to bully people, but that's I like to bully people too. So I'm like, okay, we'll see. And and so I just took it as a challenge. And and yeah, the Andrew Jordan is uh, one of the most athletic human beings I've ever seen. Like, I, I remember mm -hmm. I punched Jake and he jumped and then I jumped, but somehow he touched the ground and jumped again higher than the first time before I was out. I'm like, man, I don't know. It was like surreal, but, um, but definitely um, it was an awesome experience. I mean, just to be those guys. Where the other teams too, I mean, all the, like a lot of teams like uh, like France had Rudy Gobert there too, and we played them, and you know, we played Australia. I've had uh, Mills and all of those guys, and so it was just a lot of really good players in that tournament. Yeah. Gee, I understand that right now we're taking up some of you know your parents, uh, your parental duties because your son's taking a nap. So I'm not going to hold you too much longer. I just got a couple of quick sure. questions I need to ask you. First question, yeah. your first has become one of my favorite questions to ask some of the guests on the pod who play basketball overseas. Your first meal when you got back to the States, what was it? Oh, uh, man, I love, I think it could have been Chick-fil-A, I think, actually. I, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I like Chick-fil-A, man. It's not, uh, there's none everywhere. Like, I don't think they have any anywhere else, really. So mm -hmm. I remember always, uh, I like some Chick-fil-A. Okay, so, so far that's you, that's Will Artino, that's Justin Carter. I think uh -huh. Joe Lashford said that too. Yeah, so Chick-fil-A <laughs> has become a very popular yeah. answer. Uh, yeah. Your favorite country to play in uh, as a pro? I would say, uh, and not because I'm there now, like Japan has been definitely, uh, not only because of basketball, just culture, like everything, I think. Uh, and if you haven't been there, you'll have the chance to visit. I totally recommend that you do go visit Japan. I mean, hands down, uh, I would pick 
I will pick Japan. Uh, your favorite place to play on the road in the valley? Uh, you know what? I liked, you know what court I actually liked was, I liked the Missouri State Court. I don't know why. Oh, the Maroons, okay. I like that court. Yeah, I know it might be like yeah. a different answer because I don't know if that's, I don't know what other people said, but I like that court. So I, it's been a lot of Wichita State, I don't, like obviously because I mean, we're rivals and stuff yeah, like that. I, you're the first Missouri State, but that arena was actually really cool too. They did a really yeah. good job at, at that time. Yeah. I don't know what it looks like now, but at that time they yeah. did a really good job of, uh, of you know, packing in and stuff like that. Yeah, there's something about uh, that. Yeah. Last question: uh, a coach or assistant coach who helped you, you know, develop the most, especially because you're a post player. While you are Crane, who would that be? I think, um, I'll, obviously, I, I worked with a lot of people there. I mean, everybody was very helpful, but I think my uh, coach Lutz helped me out, uh, not only on the court, man, I mean, also like just getting me there, like to the final, because you know how it is, it's easy to get laces sometimes, it's easy to like, you know, and, and I remember he, uh, he was, it was a lot of tough love, but it definitely helped me uh, kind of like get there. And, and so I'll, mm -hmm. I'll give a special shout out to Coach Lutz. Thank you for stepping into the J with me. Uh, any last words that you want to tell Jay's fans before we let you go? Uh, no, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And, and I appreciate also, you know, you taking the time to, to invite me into your podcast and, and, you know, and to the Jays fans, uh, you know, I appreciate it. I still get support from them. Uh, you know, they're, they're really loyal fans. And, you know, I also hope they continue to support you and your podcast. And I hope, you know, you guys can keep on uh, keep growing and, and, you know, do great things. So, like I said, um, thank you again for having me. And, and I had a great time. So, thank you. Sounds good, G. Appreciate you once again. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe and to follow the Field of 68 Media Network for uh, podcasts such as this, the different guests representing their different alma maters. Appreciate you guys. We are back. Uh, we'll have more episodes coming up soon. And until then, so long. Take care. Stay safe and go Jays.